So when I say magic, don't think Harry Potter. Actually, no, you can't think of it. Think of it as spells. Spells are the, I think spells are the the main thing you think you should think about when you consider magic. So like the ability to use words or incantations to mm. transform another human being's existence. Can I just also relate the word spells with spelling? And yes. there's, there's a big, there's a big, I think the English word, especially, I don't, I don't think it happens in many other languages, but the idea of spelling, it's sounding out words and making them into existence, right? Ooh. So, um, it's, I told you guys, man, don't watch my brain. <laughs> 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 she says it's a velvet headrest. I'm like, damn, she says I'm like headrest. that. Um, yeah, but then, um, so it, 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 it you have to also understand that it doesn't it's almost like affirmations so that's a good word for it as well affirmation yeah mm. so it's speaking things into existence like for instance right i, I if you if you read shakespeare a bit deeper than just the how your teachers wanted you to you realize that that man creates magic yeah he does with like, his words with words like lady yeah. macbeth is yeah. oh, wow. when she speaks yeah it's magic but even beyond that, I just wanted to link the idea of uh, the magic of words mm-hmm. with the idea of decolonizing the curriculum, right? Mm. Yeah. So I was when I was doing my um, my very basic research, I stumbled on a um, a writer who I've read one of his articles in the past. Um, his name is Ngugi. Ngugi. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Ngugi Wachiongo. Yes. No, maybe not. I don't know. Ooh. I just have his first name. I don't know why I've written his first name. You know. This oh, well. one. And he has this book, which I'm going to read after this, uh, called Decolonizing the Mind. Yes. The Politics. Yeah, Kenyan. No, My guy. Why have I written? Never mind. Uh, (laughs) Decolonizing the Mind, Politics of Language in African Literature, right? And so he has this quote, which I found quite fascinating. He said, um, if I can find it. All right, yeah. He said, language as communication and as culture are then products of each other. And language as culture is the collective memory of a people's experience in history, right? And that got me thinking because, so he, we 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 talk about the curriculum and how the 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 work we study is like is swayed in a certain way. But one thing we also don't re- realize is departing from the language that you you, you know dip, your your language is what your essence is. The ability mm-hmm. to express your existence yeah. is w- how you pass on, beso- besides DNA, is how you pass on your yeah. information to yeah. other generations, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like there was a robbery. Everybody knows this. There's a robbery of of that right mm. from from us mm. when colonization happened and mm-hmm. slavery. And I feel like this idea of decolonizing the mind, decolonizing language, curriculum is a bigger mission towards actually re um 
Lukato was actually reclaiming the African mind. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, what do you guys there think about that? There is power in words. There is very strong power. But also, like, um, I mean, I've noticed when, you, when people speak a different language, for example, there are many expressions that you can't translate into English. Uh, there are many... So that means that you've lost a lot of things. But even when, for example, I used to do this a lot because I'd read, for example, I don't know, I read Harry Potter in English and Harry Potter in Italian. And oh, okay. I, the, it, two different vibes because wow. of the words that was used, that were used because Eng- it was written originally in English. There is a specific voice that J.K. Rowling wanted to give it. But when it was give written in Italian, because the the two things do not connect, as in the... So don't exactly translate. They don't mm. translate because I'm thinking of it as an Italian reading it. They're like, we don't do school like this. We don't do that. So it, you lose a lot mm. by so reading it. you have to it. reimagine the world. You have to reimagine the world. And especially if you've never experienced the world that J.K. Rowling is talking about, which is an English countryside, mm. you're never going to get it. So you lose a lot of the feeling just purely and this is two european languages so imagine when it's a european and an african language Mm. like you lose a whole lot more you're losing culture you're losing um spirituality Mm. you're losing history by translating it and there's a lot of loss and i feel like decolonization is as you said is much deeper than having us suddenly talk about black writers yes but those black writers mm, maybe studied in the uk so they're they're already their opinions are already layered the foundation is english it's still very Mm. english and even then everything that they're seeing and they're perceiving and they're they're kind of recording is through their lens of their understanding yeah Yeah. you know so everything they hear everything they see it's just like oh okay well this is how it means to me so therefore this is how it is yeah i I can even say from cities like a a black a black person from Birmingham will have a different experience from a black person in London. Hundred percent. Exactly. Like that. That's already a slight degree of separation in itself. Mm. Yeah. It's. What, it's but yeah. so so what happens with the language barrier then? What do we going forward? How how can we traverse that that obstacle? Okay. No offense to you English people, but everybody that speaks English is very lazy. They don't pick up another language. Mm. I feel mm. like. Mm. I agree. I feel like a lot of other countries have, for example, an, an ordinary African from the village. Maybe he's studied, maybe he's gone to school, but he will know his colonial language. He will know his regional dialect. Mm. And he will also know the parents if they have different dialects. Mm. He will know his different languages. He will know both of them. So that's already four or five languages that yeah. you know before the age of 10. Like, it's, it's doable. Um, before the colonization happened and English or French or Eng- or Portuguese or mm, Spanish. Spanish became a lingua franca for the continent and South America. Um, people used to have to learn 10 different other languages because mm. if you're traveling, if you want to talk to those people, you're you, kind of stuff. Yeah. You, you kind of have to do that. So I feel like the first step will be to normalize instead of normalizing learning french and spanish and italian whatever it is normalize learning different languages because it opens way more literature Mm. way more understanding of the world than it does (coughs) when you 
translate everything into mm. English. You know what's ironic? Missionaries were literally going to all these places, whether it's, whether it's the continent or like like the continent were trying to like pass on Christianity, learning the language and trying to standardize the language to like make a Bible for like all these different places. It's just like, oh, so you can learn different languages. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm, Only when it's beneficial. Mm. There's a part of me that this topic sometimes makes me feel. I guess I say a bit sad because I'm I'm from the Caribbean. Yeah. So I'm African diaspora. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you're from the Caribbean and you're in these conversations, you, you're just as passionate, you yeah. know, because but you no, understand. You guys have patois. You do have your own language. But patois was sort was created because of. But you, have to, but you have to Cat- also think Cat- about yeah. how the Caribbean became the Caribbean. So that's that's yeah. not that's an identity in itself. I mean, so it's not. It's not. It, I mean. I don't think you should feel. I know where you're trying it's to go. It's more that kind of that that link to the continent and that link to your past and your understanding and, yeah. and knowing that that's that's something you always have to seek out and you have to to like for instance, you're Nigerian, you're you're Kenyan, you're Ni- Nigerian, demon well. Yoruba. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys know where you come from. You know what your language is. You know things. You know when you come from the Caribbean a lot of the time you're just desperate for a link to anywhere in the yeah, continent. Okay, Do you know what I mean? It. You don't really mind where it comes from. You know, you could touch down, the first place you go to is Gambia, you suddenly feel a link to Gambia. For yeah. me, the first place I touched down was Ghana. I feel a very strong connection to Ghana. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> Ooh. Wow. 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 <laughs> but <laughs> when it the comes Yoruba to conversation jumps. and kind of finding yourself and, yeah. and reclaiming that African identity, mm. it can feel a little disheartening coming from the Caribbean of and course. being like, oof, so yeah, where do I, I fit into I don't know. I feel like I could say the same thing about us born in the diaspora. Yeah. Fair enough, we are we have a blood link back home, but mm. we're not the same people. Mm. Like if you threw a person from London, born here, went to school they here, wouldn't know what back to a small town back in the continent, they will be the Oyibo, the mm. white person, mm. the foreigner. The because we are, unfortunately we are. So I feel like the same, this is the same conversation that I have with my black american friends as well and my caribbean friends about this sense of identity but i always think yes but we're all in the same boat in the sense that we, none of us were born in the continent mm. none of us really can relate to the people there because no matter how much we try no matter how well we speak i mean i can murder Igbo, yeah. okay i can speak Igbo like an Igbo person but however they were they were <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's very well said. Okay. My mom hates that. I have an evil accent. It's actually really well done. <laughs> like the O's were rounded well. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, but the minute I touch down in Anambra State, they'll look at me. I've, 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 I've asked for an apple. They'll be like, ha, madame. <laughs> America, eh? <laughs> I'm speaking to uh, Igbo. Oh why yeah. I think why you are you replying? Oh, why wow. do you? Because they can just tell yeah, your mannerism. Yeah. You also yeah. probably need more sun. Because it's also, also it's also energy, right? Because yeah. Yeah. Like, so for instance, right? Uh, uh, Yoruba people. One thing that stands out about our language is it's meant to be kind of musical. Mm. It's meant to be like a drum language, like yeah. a talking drum. That's what you yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's nice. And it's like when you say certain things in Yoruba, like mm. in Igbo, it's um there's this reverberation in you that 
it just connects. So, for instance, right, um, if one of the things, one of the favorite phrases I like is uh, when you want to say, um, do you know what I'm doing there? That thing was really sweet. Mm-hmm. So, in English, I'll just be like, if let's say you say, how was the party? Mm. I'm like, oh, it was cool. It was awesome, right? In Europe, with the thumbs so up as well. The thumbs up too. Two thumbs. <laughs> but in Yoruba, if somebody said, "How was the party?" You'd be like, "Ah, Odungo." Oh, when you see when you hear the "dun," it's like the sound of a drum, like mm. "Odun," oh, you know, because most of the language is just like "dun," dun, dun, dun you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like when you hear it, your energy, you'd be like, "Ah." But if you really enjoyed it, you you get it mm. from the way it's the, the tonality, yeah. the tonality, yeah, the way yeah. the person brings it out. Yeah, yeah, and that differentiates mm. us because English is a very sensible language. Mm. No matter how Stiff much we, yeah, mm. no matter how much we spruce it up, but it's a very we because have to say it's shit seasonless. Like it was lit. It's yeah, seasonless. that's I'm not sorry. that's it's American very, though. That's no, I know, but it's a variation of ing- of an English. Yeah, yeah, but it's still very like I told that we don't have tones. Yeah, uh, compared to the tonality of certain African and I'm guessing certain Asiatic mm. uh, languages, there's a lot of up and down, mm. up and down, up and down. More but English doesn't that, yeah. do that. Yeah. So obviously that comes across when you're speaking it, even if you're speaking that language very well. So they can always tell. They mm. can suss you out if you don't um, practice. If you don't, not not practice, but if you if you're not from there. Okay. Okay. You, they like even my mom, for example. Quick, quick example. My mom was born, bred, university in Nigeria. Mm. She was there all her life. Obviously, she came here. She had us. But every time she goes back, they can always tell she's no longer. Wow. She doesn't because you don't have the energy yeah. of the land. Mm. Yeah, it's just not yeah. yeah. You because now she's adapted to very European ways. Mm. Even though she, she has her English accent is still very Nigerian English. Mm. It's she, she's lost that um, connection and energy, as you said, mm. that she has to her people. So they can always suss her out. So no matter. And this is, I'm talking about somebody who was born and bred, mm. knows everything about the country. But every time she comes back, it's like, madam, 200 naira. When it's actually <laughs> 50, when it's actually God. not that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, like I remember my mom, um, my mom has her, her tactic because she really misses it. Well, like she misses the energy. So whenever she's in, she goes back home, her tactic is usually she goes to the market to haggle. That's her fun. Like she might be like, "Yo, I'm going out. I'm just going out." Oh, what are you up to today? I'm just going to the market. To you, it's just like, oh, she's just going to buy stuff. She's actually going there just to argue for hours for like, <laughs> for, like nine, for like nine hours. Uh, that's where you get it from. <laughs> so I have another question for you guys. Have you ever felt embarrassed about your culture? Yeah, definitely. Have you ever been ashamed? Like somebody, like you were ashamed to express who you were? Like you know, oh, definitely as a child. Yeah. And what brought that up? Like, what made you feel that way? It's because my accent. I think it's the way I said certain things. Because I think my I I was born in Italy, so when I first came here, my the, my only exposure to English was Nigerian English. Hmm. So I had a very wow. tough your, your vocabulary. My vocabulary was ah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the market. <laughs> You see, that was that was my English because in my head it was English because yeah. this is what the way my parents spoke. Yeah. So I came here, 
and obviously everybody in school knew that i was italian that i didn't really speak that well english but then when i did speak english it was just african <laughs> and they were so confused so i started telling them oh um something like oh um it's because my nanny in italy was um from nigeria and i started this like disassociating mm. myself from being a hundred percent nigerian so i was just like oh it's because you know that was the only person who could speak english in my family and this is why i speak it like this and this is how and then and then i used to go home and i remember this like watching tv and going at like practicing copying everything they say like i was like i have to get it out and then my mom was like ah, ah, just learn english now like she was just like relax why are you so and then, she was, and then i was just like no mom your english is wrong your english is not correct because everybody laughs at me so i have to learn it wow. a specific way so that was my first like obviously there was other in especially the way I look, everybody was like, Nigerian, whatever, you're not Nigerian. Mm -hmm. So that's oh, another thing. There was a thing. time when, like, people, like, African people would pretend to be Jamaican. Yeah. No, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, no, because the, oh my God. Especially no no offense. Oh my God. Uh, the like, Jamaican people in my school, my yeah. God. I was going to say, my, wow. my answer to that question would be kind of different. There's a lot of ignorance in, in, in wow. Jamaican culture. Not all, but there's a lot of kind of ignorance. I remember having like arguments. So I, I was brought up with kind of a very Pan-African father and, and a mother who always made sure I knew where I came from. Yeah. Um, and I remember being Those at always school. Start with you, it was just like, I know, like... No, 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 no. It's, it's fine, because, like, listen, I know too, <laughs> you know, definitely. And I remember having, like, arguments at school with this guy who was Jamaican telling me, I'm not no African. I'm not no African, as if that was an insult. Yeah. And I remember not understanding that. So my kind of... What was the question? How did you phrase it again? Like, have you been, ever been ashamed of your culture? My shame more came from the fact that there was just not that understanding of where they really came from. Because to not acknowledge your African is to basically just underst understand yourself through a very European lens of mm. your history starts with slavery mm -hmm. and then you came to the Caribbean. Full stop. So that I would say that's where my shame... Came. Not even shame, more like... Ugh, What's the word I would use? Disappointment. Yeah, you know, like, oh. Oh, damn, is this my story, really? Oh, is it? Is you it know? All you did? You know, and I feel like it's not even a case where you should feel, like, angry at that person. I generally just feel a sense of sadness and pity for that person. Yeah, that you have kind of no sense of history and understanding of where you really come yeah. from. So mine's different, but sorry. Yeah. No, because obviously in London, or well in the UK, there's a lot more Jamaicans. Or at the time, yeah. anyway, when I was growing up here, there was a lot more, there were a lot more Caribbeans than there were Africans. So it, black culture was dominated by the Caribbeans. Mm. You did not hear about any other person. And it was completely different. Um, but yeah, no, definitely the shame came from Caribbeans. More, less sorry than that, sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, it, less than it was from white people because i went yeah. i went to a predominantly black primary so school sad. and the jamaicans used to just why are you wearing that yeah. what are you doing now Appreciate your hair blah blah yeah, blah yeah, yeah. i was just like oh my god not only do i not speak i don't even know what they're saying to me but their tonality is telling me that it's <laughs> no. it's it's angry so <laughs> what am i doing wrong yeah how about you, how about you? 
I would say um, it was not necessarily shame. It was just more like ir- constant frustration, and irritation. The fact like, yo, I already know I'm different. Can you just like leave me alone? Like, like also with the problem my name. Like the way I say my name is very different to how I say like at home. Like back in Kenya, like I would say completely differently. Then here, like I had to change up because it sounded too much like, oh, we're going to karaoke, eh? You're just like, shut up. Mm. And you know when you're young and like I'm, I'm a sensitive cry baby. Like I don't know how to like censor myself a lot of the time, so I'll just be like, oh, I'll just take shit, which is super annoying. But like, so I was just like, I mean, I already have the name Eva, which is like, and Wally came out in twenty two thousand and eight <laughs> when I came to the country. Mm, so yeah, what was the nickname? <laughs> basically, like Eva. I was like. I will kill you oh, in your I sleep. Know they Eva. did not do that to you, Eva. Yeah, they did. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then I had a name which sounded like, you know, oh yeah, I like to sing like with a bad tonality. So it was just super annoying. So it was just like, mm. so basically I had to, almost had to change the way I say my last name to mm. the point where like, so that's from like what, year eight to like year 12, year 13. And then it moved. And then after that, I had to like relearn how to say my name again. Mm. So oh, God. Like, do you know, isn't that interesting how we're always kind of making ourselves palatable towards I them? know, because Ugh. I'd butcher your name on Literally. certificate day. I, I, My name was butchered. I'm not surprised. The amount of times we Onika, Onika, I'm just like, ooh. <laughs> and I never used to correct some people because I just thought, oh, well, you know, that's how they know how to say my name. And I had someone who said to me, if they can't even get your name right, come on now, you have to start correcting people because then they're going to start calling you that to other people and it spreads out. That's so. That's the most important thing for someone mm. to get about you, your name, you know? I mean, the English language butchers names anyway, but mm. I, I will still be like, oh, sorry, it's actually, it's actually yeah. Onika. <laughs> you get it right, you know? Because I won't let them, yeah. you shouldn't let them do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, almost came to a point where my dad asked me, like, do you want to anglicize your name? I'm just like, no. Mm. Like, at least I know, like, in a way, it's like, no, listen, at least I come from, I come from somewhere with substance. Mm. Like, so, wherever this is, I know I'm going to leave. Like, I was like, there, like, probably like, yes, I'm just like, I hate all of y'all. <laughs> I'm leaving. Like, the day of my last exam in year 13, we moved house to London. I'm just like, Mm-mm. Like, Mm-mm. The, the thing is, right, with, I think with me, is like, um, I, I would like to think that I'm stubborn, so naturally I didn't, succumb to all that but that's impossible mm. and when you were just saying that thing about your name it made me realize that actually i'm full of shit because my name is noah now but noah is my second name mm. you know so in nigeria i'm adegoki yeah mm. is your Every brother called adegoki as well no he's called adiolu adiolu you see, have you noticed when I say Yoruba name? Have you noticed when I say? Have you noticed when I say the the Yoruba Igbo names? I I always try to pronounce them as as best as possible. Yeah, because mm. that's where the beauty is. But so first two weeks of school, they keep calling me. I already have a very heavy Nigerian accent. They keep calling me Fob, and they keep calling me like my name. They keep saying it horribly. And oh, I, yes. I, I, I love You're my name. You're in South London as well. Yeah, South East London. I think <laughs> like you know, and everybody was trying to do the accent. I did go get about all that shit. So mm. I was like. And then one white teacher one day is like, hey, what's your name? And I said it. And he butchered it so badly. He was just like, is there anything else you'd like? I was like, yeah, you know, actually, wow. actually, you know what I'm knowing now? <laughs> I was like, fuck it. That's, what, that's how I... Yeah. Because it's like, there's two different worlds for me. It's like half a world where people call me Adigoki. Yeah. Mm. And then the other, the other world where it's like Noah. Yeah. Mm. So sometimes when those worlds meet, it's always funny because yeah. they're like, Oh, you call him Noah because somebody will shout my name. Hey, Noah! And the other person will look around. Who are they talking to? But yeah, that shit was. It did make me, you know, I did succumb. I changed my name. Um, 
but it, we shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, but, but peer pressure is. is I, it is, especially, especially at that age. At that age, age. Yeah. at that age, you're just hitting puberty, and, and there's and a lot happening on. inside you. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, you just don't need your name to be also another problem. Mm. Like, I feel you can be resistant, but like on the spectrum. Mm. Would you? Know. Sorry, would you guys? Would you switch that now? Then would you say you would start going by your first name? Um, I would like to. Might be like eleven. I don't like care people. really because I. I don't care because they're all powerful names to me. Mm. So the power is from comes everywhere, regardless of what it's called. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Shakespeare was actually the one who made me decide. Well, it's not important because he made the quote. I, I never remember exactly the quote, but it's a Romeo and Juliet, and um, Romeo is saying is trying to toast Juliet, uh, Nigerian slang for 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 chirps. Toast. toast yeah. yeah. But Romeo is trying to touch Juliet, and uh, Romeo says something about her name, and it's like, "What is in a name? Mm. Like a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, right?" Yeah. Mm. And that was meant to be like, wow. "Fam, you smell a rose." See, I told you about Shakespeare. Listen, <laughs> you, you know, I need to go Me back to them old school books and be like, "I didn't appreciate this the first time around." But, but this is yeah, this is the thing. I have, I have, I think I have a, uh, I have a retort to that. So I, was, I stumbled on this a few months ago. And it's like the power of the English language to alter your mindset in a negative way. Also positive ways, of course. But So this uh, lady, she says, I can't remember her name, sorry. She says, we awake every morning and go off during the weekdays to earn the living at various jobs and undertakings until we come to the weekend, right? So that's the, cr- the, the statement. Now, the way she broke it down... <laughs> I'm so sorry. So we talked about having ADHD before this, right? I'm not going to lie to you. My mind went somewhere completely else. And I realized I really needed to be listening to what you just said. This is exactly right. So can you please (laughs) say the quote again? And I promise I'll focus this time. To be honest, most of the listeners probably missed the quote as well. I'll be nice to say it again. All right. So we awake every morning and go off during the weekdays to earn the living at various jobs and undertakings until we come to the weekend, right? So that's basically just trying to paint a picture of you wake up on Monday Mm -hmm. and you do the whole week till Sunday, right? What she picks out of it is the very specific words. So the word awake, can anybody tell me what awake usually is referred to in English? Like a funeral? Like Like a funeral, right? So You meant awake rather than awake. Yeah, but that's (laughs) the words. That's if if you just... Make a bit of a gap awake, between awake. A and wake. Same thing. That no, they're two different things, though. That's okay, but they're two different things. But your mind cannot perceive that they're two different things. You unless you're defining the word awake every time. Like I just woke up, mm-hmm. I just lifted myself from my bed. Your mind isn't always discerning that. Mm. So awake, 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 awake. You see, it's mm, like okay, yeah. Obviously, this is not facts. I'm just I just find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Then weekdays, right? It's like you know, you, you, you're in a daze. So, oh. you know, you're in a mental daze. You're basically playing on homophones. Yes, basically. Yes. Well, yeah. And um, a job in Hebrew, I actually checked this, this one out because I, uh, I thought she was lying. But a job in Hebrew is persecuted. That's what it means. So, to ha- like, in a way, to have a job is to be in under constant 
let's not say persecution, but on the constant. No, 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 no. It definitely is. It's a persecution. You see your page. When you see your pay slip and how much taxes have been taken out, that's persecution. So that you can fight the king's wars for But then a weekend, right? As you, if you look at the word week and end, like if you say about somebody, oh, he he met a week end. What would you? How would you? What would you think that meant? That he finished. Um, he finished his weekly duties. Okay, now that's okay. That was that's good. That's week. Now put replace the e with an a. So week. A week end. He met a week end. What would that mean? Like yeah. a like he a sad death. Just like kind of a sad, sad death. Pathetic-y. So the weekend is. No, but it could also be that he chose a coward's way out. But either way, pretty sad. either <laughs> way, <laughs> I mean, the cowards way out. What, what do we usually say? The brave people are the ones who like say, fuck a nine to five. I'm going to go make it myself. Right. Yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> and then. Um, OK, so, yeah, that, that was it. And my understanding of this was right. Actually, before I actually explain why, how I looked at this, how, wh- wh- how do you guys see that, that those definitions? What do you think about that? That capitalism made it so that we our mm-hmm. our existence is defined by those first five days of the week. Mm. And that's we, your, exactly your existence. Your existence is defined by what you do from Monday to Friday. Wow. Like the time they have created has has created this box. Yeah. Mm. You know. And also, uh, for a weekend. Uh, sorry to keep quoting the European history, but a weekend wasn't a thing before there was no such thing as a rest day it was only a holy day where people had to go to church mm. so there was no such thing as a weekend people used to just work until saturday and then sunday was a the day they went to work but yeah no with so the concept of weekends especially for the uh, serfs the normal people so non-royals or non-aristocratic was a time that they had to go worship another god they worship one during the week and then they worship another one in the weekend. So it's non-ending slavery. Whereas now, because of capitalism, we have to, our existence dies. Who's your Friday God? Night. Who's our God right now? Money. <laughs> Think about it. Like even kids, like how it's all, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you want to do for a nine to five? Just like, listen. Mm. When I came, like, literally, when I turned about like 21, I was just like, I don't want to work. I really don't want to work. Mm. Like it wasn't like, so just marry a rich husband and call it a day, like give it to the patriarchy. It was like, but then I realized like I hate all kinds of authorities, so that's not gonna happen ever. It's like, but just I tell I'm fa- I'm yeah. forced to work mm. in the winter time yeah. when I'm meant to be sleeping and hibernating mm. and eating. Like no, what is this concept of like having to work five days a week? Mm. I have other stuff to do. Five days, always in a days. Like, mm. do you remember when you used to read like every day? I think mm. as well sometimes when you're. Done when you're working what a lot of people kind of forget is like instead of work being something that is what you do to fund your life work becomes your life yeah and then that kind of work-life balance doesn't happen you've got some people who live for workplace gossip it's the most exciting thing that happens in their day you know they absolutely love it or they don't know how to switch off or they don't know when it's time to stop they can come home from work and then switch on their computer and continue working yeah you know i do not want that for my life Mm-mm. no way at all you know so yeah yeah, yeah. so th- that's so like we've just replaced the spiritual god with a 
another invisible uh, invisible god mm, oh no my true. my my idea of uh, my idea of god is very weird which we'll discuss on another episode <laughs> 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 this kid is full of existential crises by the way just you really think this out by listening to the podcasts like yeah it's like a journey through like me and Let's just say there's more to everything. Okay, do you know, can yeah. I just uh, cut you up? You know, the reason why it's... Uh, sorry. <laughs> cut it. Cut <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, but there's a Dance reason off. why this, the, the ancient gods are powerful. Because at the time, people were not distracted by other things. Right now, we're very distracted. But at the time, people were able to indulge into an inner peace and find out what that is and give it a name right now we can't switch off mm. we're constantly on we cannot hear anything we don't even know we're not in tune with nature which mm. is the biggest form of spirituality mm-hmm. nature is out there for us but how many of us would say that we've spent 24 hours in nature mm. i know how to survive in nature whereas people in the ancient world used to be able to do that and they were more mm. in tune with the universe than we are right mm. now so now right now we we worship a different god and that's why the ancient gods were more powerful because mm. they're more earthbound especially your yoruba yorubas and to a some extent some Igbo ones as well actually mm. all Igbo ones are very nature bound mm. you know it's to do with water agriculture uh the moon the the, the and then there was one greater being that controlled everything the reason I mentioned this thing, this sentence, and the, this, the power of words is because, like, we're talking about decolonizing, right? If you are in a position where your thoughts are not even yours because they've been orchestrated by, they've been written down already, like, the words, the definitions, so you have to pick from them. Like, you know when somebody who doesn't speak English properly, so I'm, I'm, he's looking for that that word mm. to con to, to make his idea whole mm. Mm. you know and i feel like we've been robbed so much of the opportunity to have these whole ideas yeah because you can't think in any other way if you don't speak multiple languages you mm. can't think in any other way outside of how you've been programmed to mm. think by english or mm. the european language you speak mm. and that's why in as lot of ways the people who speak multiple languages they have that extra freedom mm. Because you can replace a word in English with a word in Swahili or mm. Italian or Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Which makes sense. Mm. Because every culture has certain words and certain practices which they have perfected. Mm. Yeah. You know, and the English is just like, oh, we have a monopoly on mm. all this stuff. No. I think as well, English is, isn't it one of like the laziest languages? And also the it newest language. It takes from language. everything. Yeah. It takes from everything. It's, it's very a seasonless. new language. It's very in, new. In Nigeria, we call, them, we call them boropos. <laughs> which means you, you, you borrow, I love that you word. Borrow to pose. Accurate. <laughs> I love oh borrow pose. Oh my god! I love it. Yes, I love it. Um, but yeah, no. But then again, English is very new. And yeah, also it's English, a Frankenstein language. Yeah, it's 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 it's. It's a hybrid of it's a hybrid of a lot of things. Like the word can you came from like tiny or like. Like what is it? I think moose is technically like what is it from Canada? Like it's an Eve American like word. Like so many words is just borrowed, mm. especially from the Latin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they borrowed a lot but, from but Latin. By the way, I'm looking at the time, and Josh, I'm so sorry. Josh is gonna kill me, but oh, Josh well. is the producer. Shout out, producer Josh. Hey, Shout Josh. Out. Hey, Josh. You'll forgive us. He's got yeah. By the time this is all edited, like this is the sad thing. I'm gonna have to sit here on my day off 
to bring this down to 40 minutes. Oh, <laughs> but it's going to be cool. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you. Um, ladies, uh, any, would anybody like to say anything like socials, media, anything you're working on? What, I'm a private. Know? Don't follow me. <laughs> um, well, if you want to follow me, that's Nancy. You, you can follow me on instagram i don't post anything which is uh k-a-m-i <laughs> underscore k-e-l-z kami kills kami underscore kills yes kami is the japanese for ultimate being Ooh, Ooh yes, yes. <laughs> ultimate it's funny being she like, oh i know english is called nigerian yes i am and kells is is the acronym like Oh what? Do you know what? Wow. Huh? This is, don't listen to it. <laughs> now don't listen to it. <laughs> Kels is what Igbo people call my name. Kelechi is like the short okay. form of Kelechi. Kels is Kels or Kelechi or Casey. There's a lot of That's ways. Funny. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening to the second half of that episode. Before we go, I have another song for you for the week. Um, it's by a new artist. Her name is Odessa Moon which is spelled O-D-E-S-S-A and Moon. Moon. Yeah, that's it. Odessa Moon and it's titled Wouldn't Die for Love. Hope you enjoy it. Wolf leather Tell me how to get to heaven wouldn't be more clever when I traded my soul for love. True innocence, my rose picked. I met you in another dime.
Thank you for listening, guys. That was Odessa Moon. Um, she's a young up-and-coming artist from America. Um, you can check her out on the Spotify. There's a lot more songs that you would really enjoy. Thank you. Have a lovely evening. Peace.